It is nine after the hour. I'm Eric Erickson. This is WSB in Atlanta's Evening News. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. Some of you are going to be convinced, particularly on the south side, that the rain is going away. Don't be fooled. You're in a little lull here on the south side, and more rain is coming into the area. I've got the radar, and we'll bring you the latest as, as the radar changes, the heaviest stuff is to the west of us, but it is still, we've got more of it moving into the area. Uh, We need to talk about the law in Georgia for just a minute. Um, Let me read you, uh, this is from the Georgia Voter Information Guide from the Secretary of State's office from the State Election Division. The three reasons for voting a provisional ballot are, one, you were unable to show one of the required forms of photo ID in person. Two, when you first registered to vote in Georgia, you registered by mail, did not provide identification at that time, and are unable to present acceptable identification the first time you vote in person. Or three, your name does not appear on the list of registered voters in the precinct. If you vote a provisional ballot because you did not have acceptable identification, you will have three days from the close of the polls to present acceptable identification to your county registrar office for your vote to count. If you voted a provisional ballot because your name did not appear on the list of registered voters in the precinct, the county registrar has up to three days after the election to determine if you were properly registered to vote in that election. If you were, your vote will count. If you were not eligible to vote in that election, your vote will not be counted and you will be notified in writing. If you were eligible to vote but voted in the wrong precinct... Only the votes for candidates for which you were entitled to vote will be counted and you will be notified in writing that your ballot was partially counted for your correct precinct. Now, that language right there that if you were not eligible, if you were eligible to vote but voted in the wrong precinct, only the votes for candidates for which you were entitled to vote will be counted under Georgia law actually applies only in counties. Now, the reason this only they, it only applies in counties is because uh, counties are in charge of the list of registered voters. So you go to your county and you cast a vote in your county. You may be in the wrong precinct, but they'll count your votes for the races that those precincts share in common. But if you are registered to vote in Fulton County and you vote in DeKalb County, DeKalb County is not uh, to count your vote because you're not registered in DeKalb County. Counties matter. Where you register to vote matters. Where you reside matters under Georgia law. You are a citizen of the state and the federal government, and you're, um, you reside in a particular county. Everyone in Georgia resides in a county. This is important. Because the Abrams campaign has gone into federal court and said there are 27,000 provisional ballots that should be counted. And they should be counted because the people were lawfully, they either lawfully voted, but registered in the wrong, or voted in the wrong county. Or they showed up without their voter ID, with their photo ID, And they missed the Friday deadline. They were stuck in traffic or whatever. They didn't get there in time. You should count their votes as well because they're lawful votes. There's a problem with that, though. And the problem is Roe versus the state of Alabama. Roe versus the state of Alabama is a case from the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals. Nationally, there are a number of what are called circuits around the country. 
you have in Georgia, for example, a district court. You have a northern district court, middle district court, and southern district court in the federal court system. And those three court districts handle, and it's kind of weird too because in Georgia they're actually diagonal down the state. Like, for example, the middle Georgia district handles Athens all the way down to Albany. Uh, the northern district handles the Atlanta area. And then Georgia, Alabama, and Florida are all inside a circuit and you have a bunch of different circuits and the circuits all have laws within those circuits and the 11th circuit applies to Georgia. Well, Roe versus Alabama comes into play with what Stacey Abrams wants to do. Now, it, let me just just break this down for you. And why am I getting? Why am I going through all of this? Uh, you're not a lawyer necessarily. I used to be one, an election lawyer, no less. Well, the Abrams campaign is making a legal argument in federal court that a federal judge appointed by Barack Obama should order counties to count the ballots of people who were not registered to vote in those counties and that they should count the ballots of people who have photo ID but did not bring it to the polls. Essentially, she's asking a federal judge to order Georgia to change its election laws after the election is conducted. And I think she has two problems here. And the biggest is Roe versus Alabama. It was decided on October 13th, 1995 in the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals. And what Roe versus Alabama determined is that federal judges cannot order states to change their election laws after the election has been conducted. So while the votes are being counted, a federal judge cannot order the state to go back and change its election laws and count votes in a way different from that which is prescribed by law. This case is relevant not just in Georgia, it's also relevant in what's happening in Florida. Bill Nelson has filed a lawsuit where he's demanding that uh, voter absentee ballots be counted according to a standard that is different from the standard in Georgia law. After the 2000 election between Al Gore and George W. Bush, uh, Florida decided it was giving election supervisors way too much discretion in approving votes. So what Florida did is it completely revised its election code and it took away a lot of that discretion. And one of the pieces of discretion it took away was for election officials to be able to look at someone's registration card and say, oh, that signature matches the signature on the ballot. Therefore, it must be this person. And the reason they took that away is because it, there are I mean, Georgia has this problem. You register to vote in 1965. You're voting in 19 or er, 2018. Guess what? You're a senior citizen, and your your signature does not match in 2018 what it looked like in uh, 1965. Well, duh. Um, probably doesn't. My signature right now. I'm 43. Looks different from what it looked like uh, two decades ago. <laughs> it looks completely different from when I became a lawyer. Because then I had to just figure out easy ways to sign my name to get through stuff. But nonetheless, I digress. Uh, so what Abrams wants and what Bill Nelson wants in Florida is they want federal judges to change the standards by which ballots are approved after the election is over. And Roe versus Alabama, a circuit court case from the 11th Circuit that it means it is binding on Georgia and Florida, says you can't do that. You cannot get elections officials in a state to change their election laws and procedures after the election is over. Everybody's got to be held to the same standard. Now, why? Well, because, for example, it puts people, 
uh, it treats people who complied with the law in a less good position than the people who didn't comply with the law. There are some of you who voted and you took the time to go vote on election day and you took the time to make sure you would have photo ID and you stood there and you waited for a machine to come open and you cast your vote. And it's not fair to you who complied with the law to now say some slacker who showed up on the spur of the moment without their photo ID and got to cast provisional ballot and was too lazy to get back over there by Friday afternoon to show their ID to say, oh, wait, now we're going to count your vote. Or we're going to count in, in, in your county votes differently from the way we're going to count them in someone else's county. Now, the other problem that Stacey Abrams has is she didn't make this argument about provisional ballots until really yesterday. She didn't file suit until late in the weekend. She had Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday to file the suit about letting people who were showing up to show their ID to confirm their provisional ballots. She had she could have filed it then. She waited until after the deadline to file that lawsuit. Um, there's another legal principle on lashes uh, called lashes, waiting too long, essentially, to file the lawsuit. She should have filed it where the issue was arising instead of waiting for the deadline to be passed and then say, oh, wait, we got to open back up this deadline again. She's got all of these things working against her, and her lawyers know it. So why are they still doing it? There are, according to the Secretary of State's office, at most 8,000 ballots outstanding. And Abrams, at best, needs 18,000 votes to get into a runoff. So why is Abrams making these cases when the law is against her, the numbers are against her? Why is she doing it? Because voter enthusiasm is beginning to fade and the Democrats are desperate to win the Secretary of State's race in the runoff. And so as long as she can keep fanning the flames of this and has a willing accomplice and a federal judge to stoke the flames of grievance, she thinks she can keep Democratic voters motivated to show up on the runoff after Thanksgiving. That's what this is all about at this point. She doesn't have the votes and she doesn't have the law. But what she has is a lot of anger from Democrats who are really hacked off. She's convinced them wrongly that Brian Kemp's trying to steal the election. And now she is hell-bent on keeping them angry. So they go vote for John Barrow for Secretary of State. That's what all of this is about at this point. With all the recent news about online security breaches, it's hard not to worry about where my data goes. Making an online purchase or simply accessing my email can put my private information at risk. Yours too. In fact, you're being tracked online by social media sites, marketing companies, and your mobile and internet provider. No wonder people can find you and show you ads of stuff you saw days before in other websites. It gets really creepy. And not only can they record your browsing history, you know, the reason you're seeing those ads is, well, they sell the information to corporations who want to make a profit off your information. So you can use ExpressVPN to take care of that. ExpressVPN has easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background on your computer, phone, and tablet. And turning on ExpressVPN only takes one click. ExpressVPN secures and makes anonymous your internet browsing by encrypting your data and hiding your public IP address and protecting yourself with ExpressVPN costs less than $7 a month. It's rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar and comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So protect your online activity today. Find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash Eric. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K, for three months free with a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash Eric to learn more. 
It is 27 after the hour. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. Uh, let's go. Yeah, Dwayne, I got about a minute. Welcome. Hey, uh, quick shout out, Eric. You've done a fabulous, fabulous job. Thank you. Free and post election, uh, all the way through the midterms, man. You've been awesome. Thank you. Thanks for everything you do. Hey, let me ask you. Do you think there's going to be a runoff? And if there is a runoff, uh, who do you think has got the best chance to win? I'll listen on the radio, brother. Uh, uh, thank you very much, Dwayne. Um, I don't think there will be a gubernatorial runoff. And, and the reason I don't is because Stacey Abrams still needs about 18,000 votes for a runoff. Uh, there are only 8,000 total votes outstanding. I don't see how she can do it. Uh, now, the issue is, can she get a federal judge to say that Georgia needs to change the way it casts vote or counts votes? And I think based on the case I just mentioned, Roe versus Alabama, you'd be hard-pressed to get a federal judge to tell Georgia you need to go back and redo how you count votes. Like, for example, um, accepting the votes of people who cast votes in one county but are registered to vote in a different county, or accepting the votes of people who never bothered to come back with their ID after voting by provisional ballot. I, I don't know that the 11th Circuit would go for something like that. So I don't think there's going to be a runoff. I think this is all about keeping people inflamed for the Secretary of State's runoff. It's 40 after the hour. Eric Erickson here. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. More rain, heavier rain crossing over from Alabama. It's about to get heavier in the Villarica area. And it is heavy in the Covington area, although it's about to lessen on the west side as it's, or rather lessen on the east side as it strengthens on the west side. Basically, if you can hear me right now, it's raining or it's about to be raining. Let's go back to the phones. Um, Greg in Woodstock, you are up next. Welcome. Hey, Eric, how are you? Great, how are you? Good, man. Hey, I love your show. Thanks. Hey, I know your time is valuable, so I'll make it quick here. Um, with the Abrams campaign filing lawsuits, it seems like every day, it can be kind of confusing for the average Joe, kind of like myself here. Uh, how worried do we need to be that she might be able to take this governor's race? I, you know, I'm... I'm interested to see what the federal judge rules on recounting provisional ballots. Uh, if, if she has an order to recount a provisional ballots, and I don't think she can under existing 11th Circuit precedent, uh, but she may try. That would be concerning. But right now, uh, one of the things you got to remember is that federal courts, this is Bill Nelson is running into this in Florida as well. Uh, federal courts take a very harsh line on candidates filing a wave of lawsuits after the election is over. And after provisional ballots have been counted, which is where we are with Stacey Abrams and with Bill Nelson right now. Um, so they can file waves of lawsuits, but it the burden becomes even harder on them to show that they're not just sore losers. Uh, I, given the fact that there are only 8,000 outstanding ballots and she needs over 18,000 to get into a runoff, I'm not exceedingly worried. I think... Uh, that we will probably be resolved on this issue by Friday. That's when the federal judge who ordered the review of provisional ballots uh, gave the state to extend the deadline. I think if the federal judge 
decides to extend the deadline beyond that, then there's going to be real issues and real hanky-panky from the Democrats on this issue. Right now, I don't think it's necessarily a stealing per se, but it definitely is a begging a federal judge to change the rules after the election's conducted. And there's some real bright line court cases that say you can't do that. You can't change the rules once the election is over. Jay in Brooks, welcome. Hey, Eric. Love the show. I'm going to keep this quick and kind of piggyback, piggyback off the tail end of uh, that what that guy had to ask you. Um, all I've been reading, and pardon my ignorance on this, but all I've been reading throughout the week is about that Friday deadline. Um, is there any chance that we get, you know, that we get an announcement on this thing by that Friday? Or do they play it safe and maybe give an announcement on Monday? And I guess part two to that question is, if this thing gets flipped on its axis and, and there is, you know, possible skullduggery on, on the left's part, what is Brian Kemp, do you think he has, you know, something in his back pocket as far as him taking action? Yeah, but, uh, mainly I, I, my question was about Friday and a possible announcement. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, sure. Thanks very much, Jay, for the phone call. Um, I think Kemp, he's got the right to appeal, and, and the Georgia Republican Party has filed a lawsuit now uh, seeking to intervene in these cases, uh, claiming that, that Abrams, accurately, by the way, claiming that Abrams wants to rewrite election law now that it's over. I think we'll see resolution on Friday. I'm not 100% certain on this. Uh, I, I put it over 50% confidence level, but not certain uh, because of the judge is a, a liberal judge with a history of activism before coming to the bench. Um, but what the judge ordered in this provisional ballot case is not that the counties can't certify, but that the state cannot certify. Uh, what she wants the state to do is to notify voters that their votes did or did not count and why they did not count if they didn't. But she didn't put any burden on counties to not go on and certify their results. And the overwhelming number of counties in the state have certified the results. I think we're down to less than a dozen counties that have not certified the results. And what those counties are doing is they're going back through the provisional ballots to see if they can verify whether or not any of these people are actually registered to vote in those counties. Uh, and if so, they will count the vote. They're going to do a little more due diligence. The only other outstanding issue are the absentee ballots in Gwinnett County. And those ballots, uh, I believe Gwinnett is now counting them. They're going back through to see if they can verify the identity of the voters to count them. There are only about 3,000 of them. So if you take the total outstanding provisionals of 8,000 and you take the total outstanding 3,000 absentee ballots in Gwinnett County, that's 12,000 votes, you give them 100% to Stacey Abrams, she still falls short of what she needs for a runoff or even a recount. So I'm not super worried about this. Again, I think what everybody is missing here, and, and maybe me harping on this too much is distracting people from it, Abrams is doing what she's doing not because she thinks she can win. She's doing what she's doing because the Democrats want to win the Secretary of State's race. So they're telling people that the Secretary of State has stolen the race from the Democrats, and the way to fix this is to go vote for John Barrow in the runoff. Now, I, I, I got a few choice words for, for the Republican in that race. Uh, looking at the clock, let me, let me save them for when we come back. But, man, the Republicans, they're going to have to get out in the Secretary of State's race.
It's 55 after the hour. Um, one more real quick. Caleb from Sandy Springs, you're going to be next. we got about a minute. Hey, uh, thanks uh, for having me on. Um, uh, so all, I hear all about these um, Stacey Abrams uh, lawsuits, mm-hmm. but isn't that costing us a, a lot, as taxpayers a lot of money? Uh, Yes, it is costing taxpayers money, these lawsuits, um, because the state has to defend the lawsuits. The counties have to defend the lawsuits. uh, And yeah, taxpayer dollars are there now. Largely, they have on staff lawyers. But a lot of these cases, the um, the the state, um, the attorney general, they hire outside attorneys. The Department of Law does. They hire outside attorneys and you got to pay those lawyers bills. They're good lawyers who defend these elections. But yes. Um, it is costing taxpayer money. Stacey Abrams does not care about that. Again, I- I've got to reinforce with you guys, this is no longer about Stacey Abrams. She's claiming it's about her because she wants Democrats to feel like the race has been stolen, even though it hasn't. She's trying to keep them in flames so she can tell them to go vote for John Barrow in the Secretary of State's race. Goodness gracious, welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. It is nine after the hour. This is Atlanta's Evening News. The phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Breaking news alert from the Associated Press. Law enforcement says Michael Avenatti is in police custody in Los Angeles following domestic violence allegation. BuzzFeed reporting as well. He's arrested for felony domestic violence and is in LAPD custody. According to TMZ, Avenatti's estranged wife filed a felony domestic violence report. Her face was swollen and bruised. We're told during today's confrontation, the woman ran out of an apartment building, was on the sidewalk on her cell phone with sunglasses covering her eyes, screaming on the phone, I can't believe you did this to me. We're told security brought her inside the building and Avenatti showed up five minutes later, ran into the building, chasing after her, screaming repeatedly, she hit me first. Ladies and gentlemen, the Democrats 2020 presidential nominee. I guess he's qualified now. My goodness gracious. Never hit a woman. How's that for emphasis? Never hit a woman. If he's screaming, she hit me first, it means he hit a woman. Now, I wonder if Julie Swetnick will be there to be his witness. This man's life is falling apart before our eyes. Honestly, we probably shouldn't be laughing at this. We need to be praying for him. I mean, his his law office has been foreclosed. Uh, he's been booted out of his law office. They didn't pay their bills. The landlord took it back. He's now under a federal investigation for filing false claims with the Senate Judiciary Committee. Julie Swetnick is as well. He's now been arrested and thrown in jail for domestic violence after hitting his estranged wife, apparently. Uh, or ex-wife. Yeah, estranged, yeah, estranged wife. They're not divorced. They're married, but have nothing to do with each other. The man's life is falling apart before our eyes, and he seems like he is addicted 
to this. I listen, I got to tell you guys just just as an aside. We've been together now for a number of years, you and me. I'll tell you there was a a time in my life on social media where if I didn't think I was getting noticed enough, it was real easy to put up something bombastic and watch people go nuts. Now, occasionally I still needle people on social media, uh, particularly the transgender movement crowd, which has no sense of humor and can't point out or keep logical consistency. But nonetheless, I digress uh, that they that it, we got to push back on them when they're trying to tell us boys can become girls and they can't. But there was a time prior in my life where if I just wanted to be bombastic because I didn't think I was getting enough attention, I, I, I could do it. And it almost became a drug. And I finally realized, you know what? You're grown up. You got kids. People pay attention to you. People take you seriously. They're not going to if you keep acting like this. I had to stop. I had to apologize for dumb things I had done. Uh, It was part of growing up. This guy seems to be in a situation like that. I don't know how old he is. I think he's roughly my age, 42, 43 years old. He seems addicted to the spotlight. And he seems to feel compelled to want to do outlandish things to get media attention for himself. And now he seems the the uproarious crowds wanting him to run for president at these Democratic meetings seem now to have fanned the flames and fueled the fire of, of his celebrity rise. And we're starting to watch him implode. His law practice, the claims against him as a lawyer, and now this. Uh, that we are watching someone self-destruct in front of us all because of the addiction to celebrity. There's an interesting story. I I, I wasn't planning on talking about any of this. This is breaking news, though. So I'm going to relate a a, a separate story about Instagram. So there's a story in the New York Times today about Instagram. One of the original uh, people, programmers of Instagram, has deleted the account of the a handful, a dozen or so original Instagram programmers, people behind the product, a number of them have deleted Instagram. And they all kind of say, in addition to being unhappy with the way Facebook is, is handling things, that a lot of it is what they built is now a product where people find unhappiness where people keep up with the Joneses. They, they follow celebrity accounts and other accounts, influencer accounts, and they they look at this and they think my life just isn't that good. And they become depressed by social media. I got to tell you, I put up a picture the other day of my desk right now. It is a wreck. It's actually even messier today than it was the other day. And I started to clean it. But good Lord, the wave of catalogs has come in the mail. The, the All the Christmas catalogs are starting to come out. And I just have the stack of mail on my desk that I've got to sort through. And I try to put up messy pictures. If I burn something in the oven, I try to put a picture up. And the reason I do that is because I'm more and more mindful now that that there are people who pay attention to and follow me because I got a blue check mark. They don't know me. And they need to see that I'm not trying to run an account of perfection. I'm not buying stock photos as some people are. I actually know a guy who was trying to build himself up as an influencer on social media. He literally traveled the country with a tripod and a camera. Not to take pictures of other people, 
but to take pictures of himself. He would set up the tripod and camera and take pictures of himself walking past looking cool and then put those on Instagram trying to influence other people, trying to be an influencer, trying to sell products and, and whatnot. The whole thing to me struck me as ridiculous, but he, he had a following of people from doing this. And everybody's life looks perfect. You, you, you've lost weight. You got the perfect haircut. You're wearing the perfect shirt. You're, you're doing something cool. You're on the private plane. Uh, and they will say, well, we're just being aspirational, but what they're really doing is they're making people depressed thinking I'm, I'm never going to get that. I, I got to tell you guys, I have been working very, very hard on trying to expand my radio and podcasting presence. And I am seeing people doing it who I'm like, this, this person's an idiot. How are they getting away with it? And, and it, it can make you feel a little depressed. Like thinking, you know, I'm I'm a rather successful radio show host. I'm on TV, on the radio, got a syndicated column, uh, got a well-liked website and, and trying to break in. It gets difficult. And then you see the people who, like, you can't go one layer deep in the onion of knowledge and, and they're getting successful careers. And you're like, what the hell is going on? Why not me? And then you get on social media and you see some idiot who has 200,000 followers who doesn't even know how to tie his shoes. And you're like, why is my life sucking compared to him? And that all goes back to this Avenatti stuff. This is a man who clearly was looking at other people on the rise and thought, I want to be that. And he somehow was able to find Stormy Daniels as his client and he got a taste of fame. And that taste of fame turned into the resistance wanting to take out the president. And the resistance wanting to take out the president was hailing this guy as a conquering hero because they thought he was scoring points on the president. What happened? His career rose. He started getting on TV. CNN had him on every night. MSNBC had him on every night. One of the funniest things I've seen lately is he was on CNN and MSNBC at the exact same time, both of them saying he was on live. One had to be pre-recorded. And meanwhile, behind the scenes, his life was nothing like what you were seeing on TV. His law practice was crumbling. He was getting sued. His marriage was crumbling. And now the man finds himself in jail tonight for hitting his wife in a domestic violence case. So much of our lives now are superficial and celebrity driven. We have become ungrounded from actual reality from our actual friends and family from our actual neighbors from our our family from our kids even in some cases and we're looking at stuff on the internet and we're just we've become a covetous people coveting everyone else's life instead of figuring out how to appreciate our own life and he was doing it too and meanwhile behind the scenes his life was self-destructing how many people do you follow on instagram who are in the same boat Their lives are actually crumbling, but they're putting on the perfect veneer on Instagram. You got to be careful with that. Uh, Social media brings out the covetousness in all of us. And this guy going around the country, having Democrats hail him as some conquering hero, trying to get him to run for president, has done nothing but fuel the drug of celebrity while he self-destructed. And tonight, he finds himself in jail, the butt of jokes. With all the recent news about online security breaches, it's hard not to worry about where my data goes. Making an online purchase or simply accessing my email can put my private information at risk. Yours too. In fact, you're being tracked online by social media sites, marketing companies, and your mobile and internet provider. No wonder people can find you and show you ads of stuff you saw days before in other websites. It gets really creepy. And not only can they record your browsing history, you know, 
the reason you're seeing those ads is, well, they sell the information to corporations who want to make a profit off your information. So you can use ExpressVPN to take care of that. ExpressVPN has easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background on your computer, phone, and tablet, and turning on ExpressVPN only takes one click. ExpressVPN secures and makes anonymous your internet browsing by encrypting your data and hiding your public IP address. And protecting yourself with ExpressVPN costs less than $7 a month. It's rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar and comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So protect your online activity today. Find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash Eric. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K, for three months free with a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash Eric to learn more. It's 26 after the hour. Let's see. How am I doing on time? I've got time to take a story. Greg in Stone Mountain or Stone Rubble if Stacey Abrams gets elected. How are you? I'm doing very well. wanted to ask you um, if if the federal judge does order um, the additional provisional ballots, leftover ballots, uh, ballots from people who suddenly decided their vote is important, um, what would... Kemp's recourse be legally, um, or would the state uh, it, have to take it to court? Well, uh, the state would file an appeal quickly to the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals, saying that the judge is asking the state of or the the judge is asking the state to change the standards by which it counts votes after the election has occurred. Uh, it would be one thing if, if Stacey Abrams had gone to court beforehand and said, look, uh, there are people who are going to vote in a county who they don't live there, but they're registered to vote because we saw that happen in 2016. And so you got to order them to count those votes. But she didn't. She waited until not only after the election was over, but after the provisional ballot time was canceled or was, was ended. So there's actually a legitimate argument against her with existing case law saying, no, you can't order a state to count these ballots because you knew it was going to happen and you said nothing until after the election was over. There's real good precedent here. I feel confident the state and Brian Kipp would win on this. It's 39 after the hour. Eric Erickson here. Phone number 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. Let's talk about the Amazon deal in Georgia. To do that, I want to read you a Twitter thread from Jennifer Brett of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. She put this up uh, about 20 minutes ago. One mile from SunTrust Park, the Atlanta Braves' billion-dollar new home that Cobb County taxpayers are throwing $400 million towards, a homeless Persian Gulf veteran has been living in her car with her two dogs. She served on the USS Abraham Lincoln. After she came home, her private war began. Suffering from depression, she found it hard to hold things together. She showers at the gym. She leaves her dogs with a friend while she's at work each day. It's been getting cold at night, but she likes to crack the window to get a little fresh air. Carrot and De Niro keep her warm. If I cry, they lick my tears, she says. I learned about 32-year-old Christina Brown. 
shown in this picture at 5 a.m. walking her dogs. The same day I learned Georgia officials were prepared to throw $2 billion at Amazon in hopes they would move here. Atlanta was ready to spend $1.5 million to help Amazon executives buy houses. The parking lot where Christina Brown has been living is on Jennifer's way home. She pulled in. Christina's car was there. She went to Target next door, bought a $100 gift card. This is a perfect encapsulation of the problem with the Amazon deal, and I, I want you all to understand what I'm saying up front, that I'm not blasting Amazon here. Amazon is taking advantage of a system designed to be taken advantage of. They did nothing wrong. Their shareholders will be happy with them. The problem is the state of Georgia and the city of Atlanta. The city of Atlanta was willing to spend $1.5 million to help Amazon execs buy houses. Here is a homeless veteran, 32 years old, who lives in her car in a parking lot. The state of Georgia was willing to spend $2 billion to get Amazon here. Part of that was to give Amazon an exclusive car, Amazon-only car, on MARTA. To give Amazon an exclusive Amazon-only place to kick up their feet at Hartsfield-Jackson International Airport while they're waiting for planes. To allow them to change the names of streets in Atlanta to things like Alexa Way. Alexa, stop. (sighs) Y'all, when states, and Georgia's not alone, when states decide to do corporate bidding and whore out the taxpayers to Fortune 500 companies who don't need it, what they're doing is deciding that there's no reason to actually fix the regulatory problems in the states to improve the business climate in the state. Because they can carve out exceptions for the companies they want. We are very, very blessed as a state to not have Amazon coming. Because among other things, perhaps it'll make the state leaders, the incoming Kemp administration, realize instead of the state picking winners and losers with an economic grab bag, that we should instead be just having a favorable business climate like South Carolina does, like Florida often does, like Texas does. We don't need economic grab bags to attract Fortune 500 companies, or, or we shouldn't. And if we need these economic grab bags to try to lure companies here, well, then there's something overall wrong with our economic environment. And what we're doing is we're willing to whore ourselves out to Amazon for $2 billion and ignore businesses that are already in the state, putting existing businesses at competitive disadvantages. And meanwhile, we're consuming taxpayer resources to the tune of $2 billion, $1.5 million of which was to buy houses for Amazon executives, and there's a 32-year-old veteran of the Gulf War or the Persian of the Iraq War parked in a car at night with her two dogs sleeping. There's something really wrong with that picture. Something really wrong with it. There's another problem here. And I don't want to get on my soapbox too much here, but there are a lot of churches out there who they have left the social aspect of the gospel to the progressive churches who have abandoned the gospel. 
So you've got the the churches that no longer believe in the inerrancy of Scripture feeding stomachs. And the churches that do believe in the inerrancy of Scripture holding their nose in the air saying, well, we are going to feed the soul. Jesus is going to be in the soul. They're going to get the inerrant word of God. Who cares if they're hungry? There are a lot of churches that believe in inerrancy of Scripture and the power of the gospel to change lives who can't make inroads with people in our community because they can't understand that someone may not be open to the gospel when their stomach is wide open looking for food. They've abandoned the call to take care of the widows, the orphans, the refugees, the poor. And it it frustrates me to no end that we have all abdicated our responsibility to each other, to the government, or to liberal interest groups in many cases, that we all have a responsibility to each other. That doesn't necessarily mean you need to open your door in your home and provide a bed to someone who's in need. And it doesn't necessarily mean you need to write a check to them or give them money to get them back on their feet. But it does mean that we're supposed to take care of each other. And there are a lot of groups out there who could be doing a lot more than they are, but everyone's like, oh, there's a government program for that. We don't need to do that. There's a government program. Well, I think we're already seeing with the way voting is done in Georgia that government is not necessarily good at a lot of things. And frankly, taking care of people isn't one of those things anymore. The government is far more likely to want to take care of a Fortune 500 company than a homeless veteran. And that is a damning indictment on us because we're the ones who elect the government that chooses to do that. It's 55 after the hour. Uh, Look, I haven't checked radar much tonight because it's just raining everywhere. If you can hear my voice, it's raining where you are. I am ready for the rain to just give us a couple of days break. But uh, there is a line, a distinct line of very heavy rain moving into the metro area. Um, It is about to pass through Carrollton. It is on the east side of Bremen right now to the west of Carrollton. It is moving slowly, largely because it's mostly tracking north instead of east. Um, But it is headed in. If you're headed out uh, on I-20 towards Alabama, you are going to run into this. If you are headed south on 85, in the next 30 to 45 minutes, you're going to get it as well. It is much heavier rain than what we have seen uh, this afternoon. It's not a very long, it's not a very wide line. But it stretches all the way down uh, to Florida, basically, the, this one band of very heavy rain that is moving into the area. So please be careful on the roads. Uh, get home safe tonight as the cold comes and Thanksgiving comes. Uh, I sent out earlier today my gravy recipe. And starting next week, I'm going to send out a series of recipes for you for Thanksgiving, like what to do with your leftover turkey, turn it into gumbo, uh, breakfast recipes, if you have house guests, all that. If you want to subscribe, if you haven't yet, uh, text the word recipe to 345-345 uh, so that you can get these recipes and figure some stuff out. Uh, I'm, I've had a lot of requests for my pound cake recipe as well. I will get that to you over the coming weeks. Subscribe. Every Wednesday, I'm going to send out a recipe. I am on Monday, though, going to send out some because it's Thanksgiving week. I totally forgot that it was Thanksgiving week this coming week. I do have to tell you, we've got people in our neighborhood 
who already have up their Christmas decorations, and I'm wondering if there's a law that we can, like, burn them down or something. I just, not until after Thanksgiving, people. Come on. Save your Christmas decorations for later.